for all those who trust Christ. Make disciples. As you are going, wherever you're at, calling others to follow Jesus Christ, may God get all the glory. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. It's great to be worshiping with you, whether you're here in person or joining us online. And we are continuing in a series here and finishing the series today. The series is called Hope Revealed. Hope revealed. And yes, we have so much hope in Jesus Christ, right? Hope in all that he has done for us, that he died for us, that he rose again for us, that he will be coming again. He is king over all. Hope in Jesus Christ. Yes, hope in all that he's done. But we're actually looking at hope in all that he has said as well. There are some powerful, thunderous quotes of Jesus Christ, and especially as you come up to the time where he uh, went to the cross and then afterwards, right before he ascended, just amazing words from Jesus that give hope, that give promise, that give reason. So we're talking about hope revealed as we look at the thunderous quotes of Christ. So as we pick up this last quote, it's really big for us to get the, uh, the lay of the land and what's taking place, the context of it, all right? So the disciples, remember, as they came up to those final days with Jesus when he went to the cross, they were going to Passover. They were excited about the fact that Christ might become kind of revealed as the Messiah right then and there. There was hope. There was celebration. There were people that were crying out, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna as they celebrated this one that potentially could be Messiah. And then within just a few short days, So many things had transitioned. Christ was being taken to the cross. There were people who had turned against and they were crying out, crucify him. In fact, some of them also being the same ones who had cried out, Hosanna. And this huge change, Christ went to the cross and as he went to the cross and he breathed his last and he cried out, it is finished. Jesus Christ paying a penalty we could never pay. He died on the cross. The disciples were devastated over the next two days as they were trying to process what has even taken place, what's going on. All of a sudden, Sunday morning, the women come running back in and they're like, I'm just telling you, the tomb was open. Angels were there. They're telling us he has risen. He's alive. There is life in him. There were disciples on the road to Emmaus who met Jesus. Jesus is sharing with them the truth of scripture that these things were necessary for the son to die and struggle. And all of a sudden he then opens their eyes and they see him risen, alive, Messiah. The disciples are fired up. They get back together. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up with the disciples. He's like, see my hands, see my feet. And then he disappears from that moment. It was an amazing stirring up. Jesus then gives a message to the ladies. He's like, tell the disciples, I'll see them in Galilee. I'll meet them there in Galilee. And Jesus was gone. Now, the women went to tell that statement. And just so you know, that's no small statement. Like from Jerusalem to Galilee, was about 80 miles, 80 miles on foot. So however you want to figure yourself walking, say you're walking three or even maybe you're pushing it four miles an hour, right? And, and so maybe you walk eight hours a day, you get like 30 miles in, you still have 50 to go. That is a long journey back up north to Galilee. So the disciples are prepping and taking off on this 80 mile journey to be obedient to Christ. And meanwhile, There are those back 
at home who have seen the tomb opened, who had seen the angels along with the women, and that's where we pick the story up. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 11. Matthew 28, starting in verse 11. Point number one is choose to believe in Jesus rather than the world and its lies. Choose to believe in Jesus rather than the world and its lies. As we get started in Matthew 28, verse 11, it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. It says, while they were going, while the disciples were going, it's in the ongoing ING form as they were headed up to Galilee because it was a long, long, long way. As they were going and going and going, while they were going to Galilee, it says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, Right, check it out. Like God is doing a huge work. And in fact, in this moment, now there are people standing against God's work. He's like, check it out. Some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Told the, told the chief priests how much of what had taken place? All. Don't miss that. Remember, the guards were standing there. The guards were watching over the tomb. Why? Well, because the chief priests had heard Jesus say, back in chapter 27, it's quoted, they said, you know what? He said that he might rise again on the third day. Put some guards up to make sure that it doesn't happen where the people come in and try to steal the body to make it look like it. Like somehow, he's going to try, just do something with the guards to protect it. Know this, they said, he said he would rise on the third day. Dude, they got the message. They're like, he said he's the Christ. He said he's the Messiah. He said he would rise again. He said he's the king of the Jews. They got the message. They were just standing against it. And so they had set these guards in place. Can you imagine being those guards, by the way? These guys are tough military guys, right? I mean, they're wearing their shields and whatever else they've got with them. And, and as they're coming back in, they're having to give the message of what they saw. They're like, all right, first two days, pretty quiet. It wasn't that bad the first two days. And we were watching garden, just a couple people came to take care of the tomb and that was it. And then it was quiet. But all of a sudden, Sunday morning, I mean, this earthquake hit. Well, you, you were here. You saw the earthquake. It rumbled the place. And all of a sudden, the rock that was closing the tomb shook loose and rolled open, opened up. And I'm telling you, the tomb was empty. All of a sudden, these ladies come running up. And they're like, we're trying to put down the, the incense, and we want to be here with, and, and, and boom, there were angels right there with us. And the angels are like, he is alive. He is risen from the dead. I'm telling you, the angels told him. We were like shaking in our boots from them. Scripture literally said when the guards saw the angels shaking and trembling for what they were seeing and hearing, shocked with it. And they walk in and they're telling the chief priest, I'm just telling you, the angel said he's alive. And then boom, they were gone. Ladies took off to go talk to the disciples. That's our story. That's what happened. As they walked in to tell the chief priests, it says, and when they assembled with the elders and taken counsel, 
they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. When the chief priests met with the elders to talk about what to do, they came up with this plan. Let's bribe them. Like, I know we've heard that supposedly he would rise after three days. I'm not about to believe it. Let's bribe these guys and see what we can get them to say. In fact, here's what they actually asked him to do. Uh, Let's have him tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while he was asleep. In other words, they said, why don't you tell everybody that you do a terrible job as a guard? Let's start there. Like you're a terrible guard. You fell asleep. You weren't even watching it. Now, just so you know, this would have been punishable by death. So as they're saying, hey, you did a terrible job, just say that, we'll pay you, okay? The reality is they're like, you're gonna pay me to die, man. Like you're paying me to say, I didn't do my job. This is a huge problem. By the way, there's another massive problem with the story. Tell the people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. Do you hear that? While you were asleep, the proper answer to that would be, so the disciples came? Yeah, like while you were sleeping. Yeah, and they took the body. Yeah, how do you know? You were asleep, right? There's a massive problem with that story. It doesn't work. So not only does it make them terrible guards, like why aren't you dead then, man? You should be dead if you did that bad of a job. That would be one problem. Another, if you were asleep, how do you know what happened? And you can't be a witness if you were not awake. And uh, it's a huge problem and a terrible story. I'm ready to say this is a terrible plan, right? But somehow I got to explain it away. Otherwise, if he is risen, if there is power, then I have to believe. And so they came face to face with reality and turned another direction. It says, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. In other words, I will bribe them too. We'll get them good with it somehow. We're going to let them know that don't worry about it. We got to just here's a little bit of appreciation. And can you manage the, they're going down the path of bribing and lying. So as I was thinking through it this week, I just wrote these words. When your plans include lying and bribing, you can be sure God is not smiling, Right? When you're going lying and bribing, why in the world? These are supposed to be men of God leading the nation of Israel. Guaranteed, God is not smiling in their choice along this journey. It says, so they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. They decided to partner with the world and benefit with a little cash. Sure, okay. If you're going to have my back and you're going to defend me, I'll say whatever, fine. I mean, quite frankly, the other option I have is to say I saw angels. I'm good to say I fell asleep. You pay me. Let's see if this benefits me a little bit. And they just went quiet. No belief in Jesus. Just take the pay and spin the lie along the way. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Notice it's not 12, because at this point, Judas has already now betrayed Jesus. He's been bribed money. Notice the recipe that they have. Just pay him off. It'll work out. 
And so Judas was bribed with 30 pieces of silver. He's ending up feeling terrible for turning Jesus over. He ends up stepping away and taking his own life. Judas is gone. So now it's just the 11 disciples. And they went to Galilee, 80 miles. Can you imagine walking 80 miles? That's your plan. And I I don't know what it looked like. It's not recorded here, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't something like this casual stroll and, ah, that was interesting. What do you think? And just kind of catch. I mean, they're trying to get up to Galilee to see Jesus. You know, they were like, come on, man, move it. As they're cooking along, trying to get to Galilee. Their goal is to get up to see Jesus and where he's going to be next. It says to the mountain, which Jesus directed them to the mountain which Jesus directed them. In other words, there was an exact spot Christ told them to go. He said, see you here, and they went there. They were obedient, right? Everybody just say obedient. They're like, I'm gonna do exactly what I'm told. They went right to where they were supposed to be. It says they went to the mountain where Jesus directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. And when they saw him, let's just hold right there. Can you imagine? So you've seen Jesus once or twice after the resurrection. You're shocked and stunned. You can barely take this in. You just went on a four day journey. And as you come towards the top of the mountain, as you look out ahead, you see Jesus right there. The one who has raised people from the dead. The one who himself is raised from the dead. The one who with all authority and power standing in front of you. The one who is Messiah. And he is alive. The next step says, well, they worshiped him. They fell down on their knees. They celebrated that he was there in their midst. Hear me. They saw him as a good man, but more than that, a prophet. One who was speaking on behalf of God, but more than that, not just prophet. The one who would be Messiah, the chosen one, the hoped for one. But more than that, they now see him as God among them. Emmanuel, please hear me. No good Jew would ever drop and worship anyone except God himself. This drop in worship is a moment where they are saying, God with us, and I am on fire for this. They have grasped that he is not just prophet. He is not just Messiah, but he is Emmanuel, God with us. And I worship him with all I've got. They dropped in full worship. It says, but some doubted. Some were still wrestling with it. Some were getting, no, I I get prophet. I even get Messiah. I get risen from the dead, but I am still trying to wrestle with, is this God himself with me? Doubt in the midst. They have seen so much. They have been able to see the facts and the healings and the miracles. And now Jesus risen and they're trying to begin to put it together. And some are still wrestling with, is this God worthy of worship? And they're doubting. You know, I just wrote these words down as I contemplated this this week. Reason, you know, like when we think, when we process, right? Reason is certainty in things seen. Reason is certainty in things seen. Hebrews chapter 11 Faith is certainty in things unseen. 
Are you hearing this? Reason is certainty in things seen. Faith is certainty in things unseen. So I just wrote this. Step wisely and worshipfully from reason to faith. Step wisely and, and worshipfully from reason to faith. There are things you see of God moving in your life. There are things you know of realities of him. Reason. Now begin to take that worshipful step where you now entrust to him the unseen. Faith. Moving from reason to faith is a massive worship call. And some dropped to their knees ready to go. And others were trying to figure out how to take that next bridge step over. Worship in the face of struggle, in the face of heartache. May we not doubt. I just wrote this, just so we're clear. Doubt is worship, okay? Doubt is worship. It's just worshiping self in my own thinking process. Doubt is worship. Like I'm hanging against you. It is not a worship of Jesus, right? Doubt is when we stand on our own two feet away from Christ. When it comes to Jesus, may we set aside the doubt and may we move from reason to faith. That journey that God brings us on where he lets us see him at work and asks us to take that next step of faith. Simple question, where are you in your worship? Are you camped in reason and holding on? Are you willing to step across in faith? And I'm telling you all too often, the struggles we are in and the heartaches we are going through can make it just monumental, the struggle that we uh, have with doubt. And we gotta be careful with it. In the midst of heartache, you know, in this world, in America right now, like there are some weird things going on. And this last week and a half has been rough and dark. There's been a lot of political turn. There's a lot of rising up against. And man, in the middle of all of that happening, I'm just telling you this, it's still so much easier to be a believer in America than in so many other places in the world. And as the pressure comes down on, it stymies people and it gets them stuck. Think of where the disciples were at, where when they were leaving Galilee, there were lies being spread by the guards. They were saying the disciples were now grave robbers, stealing. They were bad dudes who should be killed. And that's what they're now going to claim to be a part of. The weight was beginning to weigh on. And it's so true in the rest of this world, there are things happening. Man, I'm just telling you, we have planted churches in Haiti. We've got nine churches down there and they are going through it right now. Just in a massive, heavy way. The politics have blown up in Haiti. There's gangs who have taken over and they are making it just violent and so dangerous. There's no way we can even travel to go down there right now because of all that's going on. Man, there are many that are weeping and starving and hurting along the way. Haiti is a rough place and yet God is doing miracle work. Man, I've, it's been said of Haiti, it's 80% Catholic and 100% voodoo. Like I'm just telling you, there's a lot of darkness that goes on there and there's a lot of attack that goes on and it ends up challenging people and where they stand with their God. May we pray for them that they can move wisely and worshipfully from reason to faith, that they can move across the border, that the church can be on fire. Man, we've got a slide that we made of Haiti. Let's just throw this up here. Um, 
This slide on the left-hand side, this is when Pastor and Steve and I went down to Haiti a number of years ago, five years ago or so, maybe even more like six. And when we went down, these were some of the guys that we were installing as pastors. They had been trained through the training center that we helped set up down there. And so we were teaching them on how to be pastors for about six months. And at the end of it, these guys graduated from that. And uh, just an exciting day of graduation there. They had their families with. This is one of the pics when we were uh, on stage there. And and, um, just a sweet moment to talk with them. The one on the left there next to Steve, that's Nestle. And uh, just a strong guy, a strong pastor, really knows his stuff. And I'm telling you, he's got a pastorship that's just outside of Port-au-Prince where all the gang activity is at its highest. By the way, if you look at this image here, notice on the right-hand side at the top, there's just gorgeous scenery in Haiti. Just phenomenally stunning. I just snapped that with an iPhone. I just took that pic, just amazing pics that are there. And the bottom, I just snapped that with an iPhone. There's horrifying pics there. That was a backyard just loaded with clutter and the cows were eating in the middle of it. And there's so much going on that's hard there. Faith, so difficult for them. In fact, we got this letter this past week. Um, Alyssa Hodel, my daughter's on staff here is on missions and uh, she stays in contact with these guys. Some of them speak French better than English and so she's kind of communicating with them. And Nestle actually has some decent English. It's okay, you'll see. He does well with English. But uh, I'm gonna read a letter from him that summarizes a little bit of what's going on in Haiti right now for him in uh, just outside of the capital. It says, we live the worst situation in our lives. Since one week ago, We can't leave our houses. Gangs fight for control of the area. Some of us have already left the zone, but now it is more difficult for us because gangsters control all the roads to leave. And they are so violent that all the people who are in this situation die. Thank God we don't have any members of our church yet who have died, but some have left their houses without any destination. Some sleep with children without food and water under the moon. Please pray that God would move, that we could leave the trouble zone and get to a safer place. Also, please pray that he protect our houses and structures, that he would provide food and water, especially for those who have babies and children with them. This is life in Haiti right now. And they are in a journey of heartache. And much like the disciples who were in the middle of life-threatening situation, the call is, are you ready to move from reason to faith? May we pray for them and long for them. Are you willing to pray for Haiti this week, for Pastor Nestle, right in the middle of it? Nestle, just think candy bar, okay? Pastor Nestle, Be praying for them, thunder on their behalf. May God move in huge ways. May he protect, may he reveal, may he provide, may he make it obvious what steps should be taken from reason into faith with God himself. And may we thunder for Haiti. Would you join me in that this week as we pray? And we're gonna pray at the end of the service for Haiti as well. Man, may God get all the glory as we give him full charge. And all of God's people said, so simple question, how are you doing in your worship? Are there circumstances washing on your shore? 
that are distracting you, pulling you back, maybe even drawing you to the position of doubt. Lord God, may we see you as you are and worship you for all your worth. And all of God's people said, point number two, as you grow in Jesus, call others to do the same along with you. As you grow in Jesus, call others to do the same along with you. It says, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, how much authority? Don't miss that, all authority. It's not all authority in this area. Everybody say, not that. It's not all authority just here on earth. Everybody say, not that. It's all authority, heaven and earth, all authority. He is king of kings. Why is he saying this? Because people are bowing down right in front of him and worshiping and others are going, I'm not sure this is God himself. And here's what he's saying. All authority is mine. I am king of kings. Here's another way to say it. I am God of the universe and this worship is appropriate. This one is bowing down rightly before me. I'm in charge of it all. All authority is mine. Heaven and earth. Jesus Christ in charge. He's basically saying, you are so right to worship me. You are so right to get this down. He says, go therefore and make disciples. Now in the English, it actually says go and make. Those are like two imperatives, right? But just so you know, in the original language, it actually says, as you are going, make disciples. So it's not wrong to understand the going part, to have some value to it. As you are going, make but I grew up in the 70s and 80s in church and the reality was it was always taught, go. Like if you don't go somewhere, you're wrong. Like we all need to go to Zimbabwe. I guess they all need to come here, right? Go, like everybody's flip-flopping around, get out of here, go be missionaries. And there's nothing wrong with being a missionary that is so powerful to take that on. But hear me, what it actually says is, as you are going. Maybe let's say it this way on Mother's Day as you are being a mom right here, right now, in this world, in this place, in your home, moms, as you are taking care of your family, as you are going, make disciples. Bring up these little ones to trust Christ like never before. Help them see you so passionate about your God that they go, I'm looking to be that passionate. Call them across to worship Jesus Christ. Make little disciples as you're raising up those in your home. Moms, huge privilege for you to be going after. May we call our families to trust in Jesus. Ready? And all of God's women said, man, man, there's a huge call out. As we go after Mother's Day, no bigger call than make disciples. Dads, partnering in the home, making sure you protect your wife, you love your wife, you care for your wife, the two of you together model what it is to follow Christ. Discipleship must be first and foremost thundering forth in our homes. And all of God's people said, and so important to be able to do missions beyond that, to take it to other places. In fact, he actually says, 
uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, being able to give this indicator of baptism, but of who? He says right before it, of all nations. He's not saying it's just you guys. Now hear me when he's talking to the Jewish disciples and he said, this is for all nations. It's a big deal. They're all Jewish. They would have been like, oh, thought it was gonna be the Jews. This is for all nations. And he's like, all nations. The other side to it, by the way, as well, is he's actually saying to 11 guys, all the world needs to hear about me. Can you imagine being those 11 guys? As he says, all the nations, and you're like, that's not a lot of people right here. Like, what's gonna happen? He's like, hang on, I have a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. He does, and he reveals it right here. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing, like modeling what's going on inside with an external behavior, an external action. This external action that shows an internal change. Baptism. It is. It's a benefit for us personally. God calls us to do it. So obedience brings benefit. You being able to get baptized. If you have trusted Christ as Savior and have not been baptized, man, just taking that step of obedience and saying, I love you, Lord. There is huge blessing in that for you. And there's massive blessing for those who are there when you're doing that. To be able to see God at work, to be able to see lives changed. Huge promise, huge hope. And he's like baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father who is sovereign over salvation. Son who is the sacrifice in salvation. And the Holy Spirit who is the seal and the sanctifier in salvation. All of them having a role, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in salvation. May God get all the glory. He's like, yeah, baptizing. Have you ever wondered why we do baptisms on Sunday mornings when we do them? That's why. It's because we're making it a part of exactly what he's called us to be. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all. To observe how much? To observe all that Jesus says. Jesus did say, get baptized. At least obeying that, right? And then beyond it, all that he has taught. Jesus said in John 15, if you love me, you will obey me. And it's a huge call out that we can go after celebrating him. That's a big part of the church. As we make disciples, we are teaching them to understand who Jesus is and to follow and obey him. We are teaching them to model after Christ and love him with all they've got. It says, and behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, right, check it out. And behold, it says, uh, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's like, look, I'm not asking you to change the world by yourselves. I didn't just give you a command to go off, you 11, right? Where he's like, okay, here's the plan. I need you 11 to go affect the entire universe. Good luck. Like, that's not what he said. He's like, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are not alone. In whatever you're doing for disciple making, you are not alone. Moms, please hear me. You are not alone. Your God loves you. Your God's pouring into your life and he'll bring a patience and an understanding. He will bring life change in ways you cannot imagine. Lean upon Jesus Christ. As you pour into your family after allowing God to pour into you, may God 
get all the glory. The battle cry that he gives us, the number one call out for all those who trust Christ, make disciples. As you are going, wherever you're at, calling others to follow Jesus Christ, may God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, may we believe and may we have faith and may we call others to the same. May God truly be celebrated. That's the battle cry. And moms, you are on the cutting edge. We love you with the privilege and opportunity you have. And Jesus is right there with you. Let's pray.